Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. I'm truly excited to be back here for another week of awesome conversation with Uh, amazing people from our industry. So if you're new to this podcast, this is all about people in the hospitality industry. So my career has been in this industry for the bulk of my life. And it uh, became clear um, in our organization that there was a need for connection and communication. And we wanted a way to kind of share our stories and share our messages. Um, And that has now morphed into this. (laughs) So it's been a very interesting adventure. But essentially this podcast exists to share the message of or messages of all of the amazing, vibrant, beautiful people that work in our hospitality industry. There are so many incredible people that I've had the honor of working with over the years. Um, And it's my mission and my goal to get to engage with them and share their stories here uh, to open up to the entire world. We have a saying in our organization Uh, And that is that people make the world beautiful. And I believe hospitality people are some of the most beautiful people in the world. They believe in connection. They believe in other people. Otherwise, why would we do this? (laughs) They love that feeling of family we get um, from from our work. And it's just such an incredible experience. So without further ado, uh, let's get on with this week's episode. I just wanted to start off by taking a moment to say thank you to everybody who's been listening in um, and just uh, extending my gratitude. I have been overwhelmed (laughs) with the amount of feedback and uh, positive comments and subscribers and downloads on the episodes so far. Um, I think uh, there's obviously a want or a need for this conversation in our community, and I think that that's so cool. So I'm really excited to be a part of that. And my guest today, uh, Clint Schmidt, is uh, our partner at the Grange Original Joe store. He's been in the industry just as long as I have. So <laughs> we're going to have a really good conversation today um, about our industry and a little bit about our organization and kind of the state of where things are. So. Welcome, Clint. Thanks for being here with me today. No problem. I'm nervously excited, I guess, <laughs> is the best way I could put this. I, uh, I wanted to just uh, start off today, actually, just maybe by having you introduce yourself a little bit. I started writing a little bit kind of of everything <laughs> you've done and how long you've been with us, but I thought it might be kind of cooler coming from you. Do you want to just uh, describe to our listeners who you are, how long you've been with the company, kind of a little bit of your journey with us? Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, I don't remember exactly how long it's like either 11 or 12 years now, something like that. Um, I actually, so I'd worked at the Boston pizza on Jasper Ave, um, before it closed down long, long time ago. It was kind of my first real serving job. And, uh, and we used to go to one Oh two quite a bit. Um, that's, so my coach at Nate, when I played basketball, loved Original Joe's. He took us there. We fell in love with it, obviously, fries and dill dip. I think I ate fries and dill dip in a Cajun chicken sandwich like once a week for, I don't know, five years until I got so tired of it and realized I was putting some weight on. Um, so yeah, I, I, Tamara, my wife now, we were engaged and 
she hated the Boston pizza as did I, but she had lots of experience. So she got a job at Joe's. Um, shortly thereafter, there was some circumstances and bartender broke his elbow. Two bartenders went to part-time part-time and, uh, and she's like, you better get down here with a resume right now. Like Dale needs somebody. This is your chance. And so I came in and Dale had a big talk about me working with Tamara and yeah, the rest is kind of history there. So I, uh, I was at 102 for about a year. I started part-time within a couple of months. I was a bar manager. Um, and I think it was only 11 months total. And I was out running the Grange. I was asked to run the Grange, which was a franchisee store. And it was different than 102, that's for sure. Um, and took some uh, some recovery out there. But I, I spent about four years running that store specifically. Um, obviously through a big oil boom and that really helped, but we, uh, we definitely turned things around there and created a really cool, really cool community out there. Um, it's crazy. I think that store has been there over 10 years now. And then, uh, and then from there started helping develop some GMs and, and kind of moving people up in our company. And, uh, and then we started opening some state and mains and, so I kind of took on the role of I don't, like lead opener, I guess. I was sort of yeah. GM trainer, lead opener um, in the store. So I spent basically every day in the store for like four to six months between Sherwood Park and Windermere and then helped Taylor transition into Oxford Park from, from Sherwood Park and, uh, and then moved into an area role. So I spent two plus years in an area role um, with, I think it was 11 locations at the end, kind of all Northern Alberta, BC. So lots of interesting franchisee conversations and um, went through the Fort Mac fire, spent a month up in Fort Mac, opened store in Dawson Creek, opened a few other stores, supported, um, yeah, and managed kind of a few of our locations in, in the city, helping with with some of the GMs and, and helping them figure out what they needed. And then, uh, and then took a brief, terrible hiatus to, a, <laughs> to what will leave, leave unmentioned. I think most people that know me know where I went, but. Kind of uh, like Lord Voldemort from Harry Potter. That's how we. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent it is. I don't even like mentioning the name, but um, that was an awesome experience in itself. Just in realizing, you know, how different this company is from a, from a care and, and looking after people perspective that, you know, naivety, I think I was 23, 22 when I started at Joe's coming kind of straight out of college, playing basketball, like sports teams are a little more like this too. Um, and had no idea what the real terrible corporate world was like. And this company literally did everything that you hear, like the terrible corporate culture. I was like, okay, like companies do like one or two of those things. They did all of them, all of the terrible things you hear. So yeah, so I spent a year there and I met Tim for a coffee, just kind of like, what do I do to get out of this? Like, you know, I got to find some money. I want to buy my own restaurant, whatever it needs to be. But I, like, I can't be here anymore. And he was like, how do you feel about coming back? And I was like, really good. So, um, yeah. And then I've been back at the Grange now for a couple of years as managing partner there and working on some other, other projects here. I've had a few other things come up, but uh, yeah. And, and that leaves us kind of where we are. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your team and the people that are in the store. Uh, you have long-term <laughs> tenured team members, even that were there before you left um, to go on your little hiatus. Yeah. 
Um, and they're still here and they still love you and they still uh, love your leadership and being around you. So I want to just dive a little bit into what it is or what you do or what are the ways in which you make your team feel cared for? I think a big part of it is that like early on, you know, like there's some people, so like Diddy has been there longer than I have, right? She's an original hire. Um, Sammy, who doesn't work for us anymore, um, but she was an original hire like prior to me even being there and would still be there if she wasn't a psychologist. She makes more money than all of us now probably and and is super passionate about that but I I think a lot of it is that we just all grew up together Mm. we were all almost the exact same age right around that kind of 23 25 you know like Mel Shay myself Kim Diddy like there's there's so many of us Aaron yeah I've got I have more team members over five years um and, and I don't have any, I have one person under one year in the front of house. Um, and I really only have two people, two newish hires under one year in the back of house. But yeah, we just, we just banded together and we had to figure a lot of things out. You know, I, I remember some conversations with Tim and, you know, I, I think, you know, he realized that I wanted to be independent. You guys realized I wanted to be independent. So there, there wasn't, you know, somebody in my store all of the time from a working perspective I think partially because Tanner was in my store every day too and we were hanging out um, and we built a great friendship that way but yeah we just we just banded together and and we really relied on each other and and I you know I grew up playing basketball right so I I grew up in teams and I'm five foot nine I'm not the most athletic person in the world I'm not unathletic but I'm not some anomaly athlete I wasn't an incredible scorer I built my game in basketball around facilitating and supporting the rest of the team and helping them, you know, get to the spots where they could make the most buckets or do what they needed to do on our team. And and I just kind of looked at it the same way. I think I lucked out in that I didn't have any management experience. So I came in with no preconceived notions Mm. to that store. And it was so all over the place um, that I, I got to just make mistakes. I got to make a lot of mistakes and it was still better than the situation before. So there was no pressure in that sense. And yeah, and that really helped us. I was pretty vulnerable with the team and I had no idea what I was doing when I first stepped in there. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we kind of worked to build that together. And then I just, I truly care. I think about our core purpose of taking care of people. And I firmly believe in that. Um, It's not directly my core purpose, but mine aligns Holy with it. Mine is to, you know, I was a, when I was 20, you know, I was living out of my truck when I was 19. I was a, I was a terrible kid. I, I totally deserved to be in that situation. Um, and I wanted to help people, you know, I knew I was a good person. I was just, you know, made some mistakes, whatever it was. And I just wanted to take people like that and help them get to a better spot in their life. And so that's always been my mission. I don't care if you spend three months in the store, three weeks, as long as you're working to help us get better in the store, I'm going to do everything I can to help you get to wherever you want to go personally. I have no tangible, like, this is what I did. This is how we did it. We just, we just worked through things, right? And we tried to get better every single day. Well, I'm hearing you say things like connection and family and vulnerability. Uh, You might be having a hard time articulating it, but those are really important leadership. Um, characteristics for me like when I'm looking to other leaders on our team and I'm looking for uh, things that are going to help 
build values and uh, drive, like you said, our, our message of taking care of people, you're doing those things <laughs> in the core of you, right? So you're talking about, you know, living in your truck and doing anything you can to help people like that. I think we could take your story like that and relate it to Krista Watt or Krista Tupala now over in Holic, right? So she's very much like that too. She has that very caring heart and like, yeah, wants to be there for people. I used to say we were all misfits <laughs> when I was young because yeah. I was a misfit too. Like I got in trouble. I was a terrible kid. I didn't listen to my parents' advice very well and wanted to go do it on my own and got into a lot of trouble and um, found myself with this family in the hospitality industry. But I think sometimes we're almost like the universe almost brings us here because we need that second family. And for some uh, reason, leaders are attracted to the hospitality industry because they have the type of leadership that is heart-centered leadership and they care about people and they want to contribute to making lives better, not necessarily, I mean, obviously making businesses better is absolutely important and part of what we do, but we would put people before money. The business is just fuel. Like yeah. that's, you know, I, it's a long time ago now, but I remember it was either Chris or Tim and we were tired. It was like, we would, run a concrete company the same way like yeah and and I firmly believe that and feel that yeah and I if I were to boil it down to one thing while you were saying that in my head is that I always make an effort to put my team first and I've had my mistakes and faults where I haven't done that and focused on other things even coming back to the Grange you know I was maybe a little bit not as humble as I needed to be and and it took a little bit of time but I you know my team is is the most important thing. They are what drives everything that we do at the end of the day. The guests, mm -hmm. I love the guests. They're great. Um, but I can't look after 120 people in a room or every takeout order, right? I need the team to do that. Yeah. Totally. And they do a better job of it than I do, to be honest at this point. So. Absolutely. You don't want, you don't want me working <laughs> on a busy Friday night anymore. It would be a nightmare. <laughs> no, I'd be lost right now without Dylan. Like, I would, I would be a mess. Like I couldn't even open line to be honest three weeks ago. So it's so funny to think back. Cause we were like the best bartenders of our times and the best oh. servers. And now it's just like gone. I still think I am sometimes, but I'm not like, I'm, not. I'm just going to go under the assumption though. It's like riding a bike. And if you went back in, you could probably figure yeah, it out. I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. I cut myself a whole bunch of times and stuff like yeah. that. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. So uh, what do you think has been your biggest learning moment or your greatest moment of growth through this whole COVID-19 pandemic so far? This has completely shifted our business <laughs> and the way yeah. we look at it. What are your thoughts around that and what, what's it been like for you? Uh, you know what? It's, it's crazy the gambit of emotions that you go through like on you know on a minute by minute like things for a while there specifically were changing every four hours it felt like you know like we okay we're gonna do this and we'd set it up and it's like that's not gonna happen exactly that way because this just changed or this happened now my biggest learning and growth is just like just how important like personally is how important mental toughness is mm -hmm. and I think it's something we have actually kind of decultivated a word like we just haven't 
um, cultivated in our society in the same way that it had been done in the past. And a big part of that is, you know, you, I firmly believe you shouldn't smack your child. You know, I relate a lot of things to parenting, having a three-year-old, um, is that you kind of always go a little opposite of your parents mm -hmm. or you adjust some things there. And, and I think society does the same thing. So for me, you know, I really, I'm really glad for the things I've done in the last year in regards to mental toughness. I don't think I would have been able to cope with this, you know, a year to a year and a half ago in the same way that I have. Um, but yeah, I think that piece, I think, you know, is, is realizing just how important and how far ahead that can put you personally, business wise, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always, I've looked at this over the last five weeks, almost every single day. I've said, this is an opportunity, you know, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure day to day what that opportunity is, but there's an opportunity here. There's people I've connected with that I would have never had a conversation, like even regulars coming to pick up food that, you know, you see, but they're not the type that talk in the restaurant. And now they're, they want some interaction and you're sitting there, you almost have to remake their food because you're spending a half an hour chatting with them, you know, from 10 feet away across a barrier, but you know, they just need that interaction and they, they really care about you. And then business wise, I think I learned that our group is stronger than, than maybe I had given us credit for at times. Um, and that was humbling and, but also made me super proud. Like it's cool to see, you know, I've heard some, terrible stories from even inside this industry but out of this industry you know where leaders are like huddled in the corner mm -hmm. and it's like we got people doing everything they yeah. can to keep our businesses afloat and make the changes that need to be made and you know from you know people that have been in the company short term to people who've been in the company really long term too right so that's a cool feeling um and that we are we're far more capable of change than we maybe give ourselves credit for um, and again, just a, just a cool thing to see externally and internally, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I couldn't imagine working past 10 anymore. Well, I've done that like every day for, <laughs> for weeks now. So let's talk. I just want to like dive into your idea or your ideology of mental toughness, because I think that um, different people will have different ideas of what that means. So what does that mean to you? The best way I can kind of put it is, I spent years chasing happiness. That's even part of why I left. You know what I mean? Like I'd almost talk myself into being unhappy because I was worried about being in the same position with Joe's prior. And so I was like, I need to make a change. And so I tried to make external changes, um, you know, changing company, changing jobs, roles, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I was chasing happiness. That was always, I need to be happy. I want to be happy. You know, I watched my parents struggle with that. My dad struggled with it his whole life. I'm sure he was undiagnosed with some, some reasonably severe mental instabilities. Um, and that scared me. I was scared of being him, right? And scared of being in that type of situation. I got to the point about a year and a half ago where I realized that most things you can't directly just run to because you lose sight of other things. And so I realized that like shit's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have bad days. You're gonna get in a fight with your wife. Your kid's gonna do something silly. You know, your business isn't gonna go the way you want it. Look at the situation we're in now. And it's like, happiness isn't about everything being good more often. It's about you being good with it the way it is and realizing that you're gonna come through it, right? It's, it's realizing that, you know, there's very few good quote unquote days in your life. 
unless you make them good. Realizing you're gonna have adversity almost every single day and you just need to, you just need to be okay with it and find, you know, whether it's internal or external things that kind of help you get to the right state, right? To a state where you can manage and deal with it. And that's what's really exciting, right? Like I use, I used to use this example all the time and I don't know why I hadn't thought of this through the last year as much, but like we never talk about, like, have you ever told a story, a restaurant story that isn't like Armageddon, you know what I mean? We predicted, you know, 50% less in sales and did 150% more. And, you know, like it's the day where the hot water tank goes down, your POS goes down, you know, you had a guest pass out the rest, you know, whatever it might be, like the craziest day. Those are the stories we tell. We don't tell the stories about, oh yeah, we nailed sales projections. We perfectly built a schedule and everything went according to plan. Like that's just not the day you're having a beer with people in the industry. You're telling your war stories. Yeah, totally. Those are, that's, you know, that's what's fun at the end, right? It might not be fun in the moment, might not feel fun in the moment, but that's where pride comes from when you get through those days and you stick together, right? And that's what brings people together. And that's, you know, that's how we become even more mentally tough when we have a tribe, right? Yeah, totally. And I think those are like some of the things that um, people are interested in learning about our industry that like aren't in it. And I think the people who are tuning in want to gain some insight into what the craziness is because I personally don't know what it's like to work in many other industries, obviously, but um, a few, I worked in a few before I started this, but they're a lot calmer, (laughs) you know, the volatility is so much less. um, And I just find that uh, quite funny, right? When you say that it's like Armageddon, Armageddon were like my best days ever in the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing. I remember one time I had to serve the patio and we were like, it was like this time of year, a couple years ago, like four or five years ago, March or April, you know, we're like, oh, it's like 18 degrees. It'll be 18 degrees from like two to four in the afternoon. It'll cool off. It was right at the start of season. I'll serve it. It'll be like five tables. There won't be anything big with a second floor locker. Full patio, rotated the patio. I was there till like midnight. Like I rang out like $1,800. I haven't sweat that much in a restaurant in my life. And it was like, I still remember that. That's like five years ago. And I can like vividly remember conversations with guests and yeah, those are the best moments in this industry, right? Is overcoming, you know, those types of things. So I'm having one come to mind right now. I, I told it at, at my keynote at Bex. I don't know if you remember, but I was like sitting at the bar one night. I was already GMing Terwilliger and I sat down. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I had so tired and just got my butt kicked all night. And I was like, oh, I just want to like have a glass of wine and some food. Like we don't eat until 11 o'clock. at night and uh one of the bartenders walked up to me and he said hey Ali I just want to like let you know that the kitchen's on fire (laughs) he said it in such a calm way like I thought he was I just laughed at him I was like you're totally joking and I walked back there and the kitchen was like (laughs) ablaze so I mean like yeah it's just it's wild the things we go through for sure oh man so I've, I'm, I'm going to take go on the assumption that this mental toughness has been a big measure of your success and your growth for you in the last year. I feel like it's something we talk a lot about. Um, I think there's a lot of people that don't know about 75 hard. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I was, I was soft 
to start last year, I would say it would be like, you know, a year and a bit ago, just before Christmas, um, I guess 2018, I, uh, I wasn't super happy with where I was physically. Um, and I think that kind of mental toughness or any change in your life always kind of starts internally or externally, right? It's like, you know, you got to get your brain to some point, but I'd read the book Atomic Habits. Um, and that definitely, that book changed my life more than, more than anything in how I view, you know, how I adjust what's going on in my life. I, I kind of took his model and I started with five push-ups and five sit-ups um, sometime in February. And I just added one every day uh, and got to the point where I could comfortably do a hundred push-ups in a row. Like, well, not comfortably, but I could do a hundred push-ups in a row um, and a hundred sit-ups and, and that took a hundred days. Right. And so that was right around summertime but it was hard at first, you know, and I'd actually put myself in decent shape. And now it's really cool to have all of those pictures and to see, you know, that change over, you know, you look at 15 days and then 30 days and it's, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so 75 hard, you can go to 75 hard.com and it's, it's a mental toughness program. You know, lots of people think it's a challenge or an exercise or whatever it is, but it's, it's built to kind of push you through a lot of your preconceptions about what you're capable of, I guess. And it really helped me organize my life and, and make fitness way more of a priority. And, you know, and that's really helped my mental state. They're so aligned. Um, and I'm sure you know this and watching, you know, you've obviously been active your whole life, but watching Chris, you know, from who he was prior to being a runner to the things he accomplished, you know, at a much older age than most runners start is insane and I accredit all of that for him to mental toughness like he like I don't know how you can run that fast like and just push yourself like I've run enough half marathons to know that I'm never doing a marathon I can never run that fast like no. it's just not gonna happen so for those of you who might may not know listening my husband's Chris Stone and he's probably one of the what probably was one of the top two most competitive marathon runners in Edmonton and set out to run all of the world majors and yeah he he worked in this organization with us <clears throat> excuse me and really really taught all of us what it looked like to set a goal and achieve it and work for it and sometimes stumble and fail and yeah he taught us like really really incredible lessons along the way about it for sure and yeah. as as his wife like I like I'm definitely nowhere near <laughs> as fit as him. I'm still pretty soft, <laughs> but uh, you you just like you can't around somebody like that, right? You gotta like get up and exercise in the morning and like care about what you eat. And he just really like helps bring that into my life. So I'm like super grateful for that. I did want to say about 75 hard because mm -hmm. it sounds crazy and it is super intense. It's a lot of organization, but it, you don't have to be fit to start. I've actually had a few people start, um, since I've started and that feels really, that feels really cool. Um, but one guy, you know, he's probably, he's probably a hundred pounds overweight too. And I know he's grinding and he's trying to work out really hard, but I like some of my workouts were a walk. Mm. Um, I listen to podcasts typically, but I'll, I'll honestly, I'll often shut them off, you know, and give myself 10 or 15 minutes of my walk where I'm, you know, just looking at, how incredible it is. And a lot of those are happening at six 30 and seven in the morning. And it's like, it's just so quiet and peaceful and yeah, it's just good, good for your heart. It's good for your soul. So for those that would be scared to start something like that, it's, you know, it's a walk, it's, you know, 45 minutes of yoga, whatever, whatever a workout looks like cool. to you. I like it. 
So you've inspired me to learn how to do a push up. Yeah. I'm telling you this. So I, okay, people are going to be laughing at me, but I cannot do one push up. <laughs> That's my uncle could barely do one push up after I did those thousand push ups in a day. Oh my God. I saw you do that and I was like, oh my God, how is he doing that? I can't, like, there's no way. So here's what I'm going to do. Starting May 1st, I'm going to do one push up a day and add a push up on. Yeah. And I will tape myself doing 30 push-ups and send it to you at the I end. I love it. <laughs> now, I may be dead and my arms might fall off. And if it, they do, you're going to have to take responsibility for that. Does that sound I will better? take full responsibility <laughs> for that. So that'll be my, my entry-level commitment to your 75 hard challenge. How does that sound? <laughs> love it. Love it. It's like 30 min hard. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and that's, like, you have to remember, that's how I started. Like, it took me took me from like February, January, February, really. And then I started in whatever it was, November. And um, Tim did it alongside me and, and he was quite quiet about it. And I was very vocal and that's a big key for me this year. I want to, you know, increase my social media presence, um, you know, just increase my presence in general in that sense. So in these podcasts, every time I end them, we've been doing like a quick fire round of questions, which I did not supply you with. Because okay. is whatever comes out of your brain, you answer it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so if it's politically incorrect, I apologize. <laughs> Thank you. Your favorite item to eat at Original Joe's. Favorite item to eat at OJ. You know what? I, like now, I make this salad completely off menu. So it's it's probably that, but it's like two chicken portions with Cajun spice. If I like item we make, it, it's probably anything with Cajun on it. Mm. Our Cajun spice is awesome. I oh, love it's it. my favorite thing in the world. What book would you recommend to other leaders in our industry that might help them along? Uh, that's a tough one. It depends on where they're at. Like five level, five levels of leadership, mm. and I can't even think of the author. I have it. Uh, yeah, a couple authors. Oh, you have it right there. Look at you. John C. Maxwell um, is kind of the main author. Is an awesome, awesome book if you want to understand kind of the framework of leadership. Um, and then obviously I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. So start with why is a great place to start, but leaders eat last. I think I haven't read his new book yet. Um, I'm reading a book right now that is a thousand pages and I'm regretting it because it's, it's, it's called the organized mind. It's really interesting, but it's a little dry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So start with why, uh, leaders eat last is probably my favorite of his. Um, and then James clear atomic habits. There's so much leadership stuff in there. That is that book literally changed my life like it saved my life for lack of a better term I'm far healthier I've added years to my life um, and a far better person and able to make change in my life far better because of that book it also changed my life so let's give a shout out to James Clear right now yeah, that guy if just follow him his like he has a newsletter that comes out every Thursday and it's, it's super short it's like it's his three two one it's like three ideas two quotes and one question yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, he posts these articles and he has them on his webpage as well. And they're incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's doing really good stuff. Um, who's someone you're grateful for today? Oh, uh, I, so I do this every morning and mm -hmm. it's funny cause it goes back to, it goes back to a few people, obviously Tamara, um, mm -hmm. and Katie and, and just how much freedom they give me. Tamara specifically gives me to do the things I need to do for the team leadership 
can be pretty tough on a family in times like this. And I know it's been hard for them and very cooped up, especially with not the best weather. Um, yeah. So I just, yeah, I'm just, you know, there's, I could rattle off about 50 names, but yeah, Tamara is about the coolest person I know for what she lets me put her through <laughs> to do what I need to, um, when it comes to work and, and personally, right. Like I'm working out twice a day, 45 minutes a day right now. I'm taking five minute cold showers. Like I'm exhausted. She's, she's doing a lot. So oh, that's awesome. And then I just wanted to add this in, in the end, I'm, this is new, but <clears throat> I think we're in a time where we need to bring some awareness to, uh, our local businesses in our community in Edmonton. And I was wondering if there were any local businesses you'd like to give a shout out to today that you know are still trying to do business in light of COVID. Yeah, so one is a guy that obviously helped me massively. Um, so Jordan Jeske owns the project uh, and it's a fitness studio. Um, he also has a company called Project Golf, which is more golf specific training. Obviously I'm huge into golf. I'm disappointed that I can't golf right now in this weather. I think that's been a tough part these last couple of days, but um, I'd love to give a huge shout out to him um, and what he's still trying to do through probably a ton of adversity for him. Obviously our businesses and there's some other franchises that I don't think people realize from a restaurant perspective that are, they're all locally owned. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I know enough owners in this community, you know, from Boston pizza to Browns to those places our original Joe's, we all, I live less than six minutes from my restaurant. <clears throat> and then if there was uh, one message or something you'd like to leave either our organi organization or the hospitality industry with today, what would you like to say in closing? Um, I think just that, like, this is all going to come out good if we want it to be. So however you want things to be, you you just have to be that way kind of through some adversity, right? That's where mental toughness comes into play, but you just, you know, the, what's the quote, be the change you want to see is, is so fitting right now. I've talked to a few people that are, you know, Oh, I, you know, I don't know how people are going to act coming out of this. What's going to change. What's going to be different. And I don't, I don't know either. I have no idea. I just know how I'm going to act. And I know that if I am as positive as possible, if I try and work as hard as I can, and do everything I can for my team and the people in my community that maybe one other person starts doing that and hears it and sees it. And then the next person. And that, like, that's how change happens, right? It starts slow. And a lot of times you don't notice it. Right? <clears throat> well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm super grateful for being, for you being my first leadership conversation. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was very, yeah, I'm very humbled and appreciative and, nervous and I can't think of any spot that I was like oh god that sounded so ridiculous <laughs> but there might be some that other people think are ridiculous but yeah yeah it means a lot Well, that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much again for tuning in. 
And as always, thank you for your support in this uh, unique (laughs) endeavor that uh, I'm heading out on. And um, I'm just, again, so lucky to be here. I'm starting to have a lineup of interviewees, but if any of you listening out there are interested, I would love to have a conversation with you if this is something you would love to sit down and talk with me about. Um, And until then, keep making the world beautiful and uh, stay safe, everyone, and support local. Have a great weekend. So without further ado, uh, let's get on with this week's episode.